what's up? What's up? King Wells, what's up, King? What's up? What's up? Could I ask you a question, Pete? Sure, Johnny. Anything. But myself. Oh, it's so lonely. Oh, I must tell you, it's first time I've ever been alone on the Iron Show, and uh, it's so lonely. Oh, but I have a nice cup of tea, and I'm feeling all warm and fuzzy. And it's so nice to be here with you. In your ear! Oh yeah, baby! Oh yeah, welcome to the Iron Show, everybody. I gotta tell you a little story here. Back uh, when the Iron Show first started, and then back here even before then, way back. Let's rewind. Let's rewind Johnny. Way back to the late 07. And I was, uh, I was getting work on the waterfront. I'm a longshoreman. And I would be out there by myself on the Columbia River, cold, freezing, scared, lonely, uh, middle of the night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. But I had a new iPod that had just gotten into iPods and podcasting. And I had a couple things on my iPod that I listened to that really helped me. I had Dr. Future, Future Quake, on my iPod, Dr. Future, futurequake.com. He was on my iPod. Him and Peter Goodgame were there. I had King Wells from Teotihuacan Radio. Ancient King Wells shows. King Solomon Wells. Teotihuacan had King Wells on my radio. And I had Derek and Sharon Gilbert, PID Radio. I had their shows. And I got to tell you, these people became my heroes. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I got the opportunity to do the first new Teotihuacan Radio with one of my all-time heroes, King Solomon Wells. And I was the guest on his show. And uh, we talked about Planet X. Here it is. Radio Network. Uh, Jay was uh, kind enough to allow me to uh, host my show on his network. Um, today we're going to talk about Planet X. Uh, is there something really true about this, or is it just fiction? Uh, our ho- our guest today is going to be uh, Johnny McMahon uh, of the Iron Show. Uh, we're still waiting for him to come on. Uh, one thing we need to understand is that a lot of the information on Planet X. Uh, is not necessarily, uh, let's say, provable beyond a shadow of a doubt like anything else, I guess, 
until uh, you know we have hard facts from the government itself that says this is real, uh, then we really you know won't know for sure. But there seems to be a lot of evidence, a lot of let's say circumstantial evidence to prove that Planet X may be a legitimate phenomenon. Um, the whole idea of Planet X uh, comes from Zachariah Sitchin. And uh, in his book, he talks about the Anunnaki living on Planet X. Uh, I don't know about all of the Anunnaki stuff, but there does seem to be some legitimacy to the idea that there's uh, some kind of object in our solar system. And um, I believe Johnny is here. Hello, Johnny. Is that you? Hi, King. It's your boy, Johnny. Johnny. Hey. It's your boy, Johnny. I I was going to come in and yell, what's up, what's up? But I was so concerned that people wouldn't take me seriously. So, I'll help with it.
that cluster together in little points of the vast spider web of the universe. The universe, if you look at the whole universe, it looks like a big bunch of cobwebs with kind of nodules here and there where the stars have gathered, the galaxies have gathered into superclusters. You zoom in a little further on these superclusters and you have what are called clusters. And clusters are large groups of galaxies clustering together. And then you uh, zoom in a little further than that and you will see the galaxies. Galaxies are like solar systems. They orbit in disks and they consist of uh, from one to several hundred billion stars orbiting a central, uh, a central uh, hub, which uh, now they, they believe uh, that central hub uh, to hold everything together in a galaxy must be a, a super black hole, uh, the only thing dense enough to hold a galaxy together. But uh, then you have these, so you have these spinning disks, which are called galaxies, and uh, and uh, they have several, uh, anywhere from a, a billion or a several million to several hundred billion uh, stars uh, circling uh, a center in a disk. So you zoom in a little further, and then each one of these stars, uh, we think, has a solar system, which is a mini, you know, a mini galaxy, which is uh, a, a single star or a binary star or a triple star or or a cluster of stars with uh, planetary bodies and objects and clouds uh, circling the stars. And we are in one of those. We're in a solar system. And we, we circle a uh, for, for the longest time, and most of us still think so, that we circle a single star. We orbit a single star. And we have the inner planets. Uh, and we're the third planet from the star. We're 93. We are 93 million miles away from our star, and uh, that's known as one AU, or astronomical unit. When they measure galaxies and measure the universe, it's measured in uh, astronomical units, and that is that being 93 million miles each, the distance between us and our sun. And then you go farther out into our um, into our solar system, and we have the gas giants which are out there, uh, Saturn, Jupiter, Uranus, Neptune. And then beyond that, we have uh, the smaller bodies, the smaller icy bodies, uh, Pluto and its moon Charon, which are actually twin planets now, uh, actually redefined now as planetesimals. And then beyond, beyond, the, um, beyond Pluto and Charon, we have uh, what's known as the uh, we have the what's known as the Kuiper Belt. Now the Kuiper Belt is uh, I don't know how much farther out that is than Pluto and Charon, but a ways further out is the Kuiper Belt, where there is all kinds of icy bodies. Uh, none of them, none of them we can see almost. Uh, so and we know there's a lot of them, but we can't see them, and we've only seen a few of them. One was uh, 2003, uh, UB313, that was discovered in 2003. And also another one, and that's bigger than Pluto, and another one uh, was also discovered a little bit earlier than that, which was named Xena, which got its name changed to Eris. Uh, the guy who discovered it named it after Xena, the warrior princess, because he thought she was cool. So now you have UB three one three, uh two thousand three UB three one three, that's the one that they consider they call it the tenth planet, right? Uh they no, they don't call that the tenth planet, but yeah, well it's arguable. They're kicking it back and forth. And uh so yeah. And then and then Xena, which is further out or closer in from that, which is about the size of Pluto. Uh it's about sixty percent the size of our moon. Which is, um, you know, which is actually, you know, our moon is very, very huge moon for our planet. We are not supposed to have, by all accounts, all intents and purposes, all things being equal, we should never have a moon that's as big as our moon. So our moon, uh, people don't realize, when you look at it, the moon, it's big, but it's out there a quarter million miles from us. And the reason it looks so big is because it is, it's huge. It is way too big for our planet. So that's now you don't, why you don't believe in the uh, artificial moon theory, do you? Uh, well, you know, a lot of these things, like we're going to go into tonight, you can't say I believe in them, but I hold them as possibilities. Okay. You know, so that's kind of 
And then beyond beyond the Kuiper Belt, where all those Planet X objects are, is the Oort Cloud. And there's all kinds of weird stuff out in the Oort Cloud. That's where all the comets come from. They come zooming through the out of the Oort Cloud into the Kuiper Belt and through the Kuiper Belt into our solar system. And then uh, they come in through here and uh, we see them in the sky. And they're usually on very elongated orbits. You know, we and all the other planets are in very circular orbits. You know, there's no there's no planet that's on a perfect circle orbit. I mean, uh, they're all elliptical to a degree. Elliptical means kind of oval shaped. But uh, you know, uh, these comets are an extreme, extreme elongated, long skinny oval. Oval, excuse me. And uh, Jay's got me. Uh, Jay's got me drinking coffee. He's he fired me last week because I didn't like coffee and chocolate. Now he's drinking coffee and I can't talk. <laughs> hey, so, this is so Jay's birthday. Just to let you know. Happy birthday, Jay. Just to let you know, this is an hour show, not a two-hour show. All right. Okay. We better. Um, oh, we better. Uh, better uh, zoom it in then. <laughs> yeah. So so right. so. So continue on, uh, you know, if you feel you're at that uh, point where you can start talking about Planet X. Uh, uh, I yeah. think so they, maybe they got a decent foundation on the solar system. Yeah, okay. This might be maybe too much. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Planet X, uh, there was um, a group of astronomers in the 1800s, 1700s that noticed that that Uranus and Pluto and um, Uranus, Neptune, uh, they were um, they were being affected by something, and they did when they did the calculation for the orbits of uh, of Pluto, of uh, Uranus and Neptune, they they could see that it didn't make sense. Something was affecting them, and something that had to be very very large to be affecting those two gas giants because they're extremely massive and heavy. Uh, each one of them, you know, Jupiter's what something on the order of. 200 times our size, and uh, but uh, so they figured that something was acting on them. And uh, this one famous astronomer in the 1800s, uh, known as Adams, his name was Adams. Uh, he first uh, came up with the concept of the Adams perturber, and this was this imaginary uh, planet that fit into their calculations somewhere out there, very massive, that was affecting the the orbit of these outer planets. So that was that was the first astronomical, you know, discovery of some kind of a planet X. They knew something was out there was messing with those planets. We have Uranus that's on its it's on its side, orbiting like it rolls like a ball or like a wheel instead of everything else, you know, like the Earth we spin around and around, but it rolls on its side. So they knew something knocked that thing over sideways. Not only that, but its orbits are messed up. So both of their orbits, Neptune and Uranus, their orbits are all messed up. So anyway, so um, you know that's that's basically you know where the where the search for Planet X came from. Um, Zachariah Sitchin, I'm not a big fan of Sitchin, but um, in the in the the Enuma Elish, which was the ancient Sumerian uh, was the ancient Sumerian record of the planets. It was uh, kind of uh, kind of uh, drawn up in a uh, in a uh, kind of a theatrical type of uh, version, and it explained. Uh, it said it maintained that we used to be a planet known as Tiamat, and we had a moon named Kingu, and. Uh, we were orbiting around happily, about twice the size that we are now. And one day, a um, rogue planet known as Nibiru, Nibiru or Marduk came swinging into the inner solar system <clears throat> excuse me, and crashed with Tiamat. And half of it we became extremely fragmented and became the asteroid belt. And the other half of uh, Tiamat congealed uh, and uh, sucked in Kingu, 
And as Tiamat, the other half of Tiamat congealed and became a new planet, they maintained that was that's planet Earth with uh, Kingu as our moon. And that's why a lot of these edgy astronomers say that explains why we have such a huge moon uh, compared to all these other uh, planets that have moons. So Our moon is way too on, big Johnny, I have for a question Earth. for you. Before you go on, I have a question. Uh, any Enuma Elish, uh, it basically talks about, uh, you know, uh, Tiamat, like you say, and um, it talks about these, this monster, you know, people consider it a dragon. Um, but in it, uh, they talk about this war and this fight between... Uh, I guess the the, the several, you know the different monsters. Um, some call them dragons. Um, now, any new list? I didn't see anything that talks about the planets necessarily. So, uh, where does that idea come from uh, about the new list uh, referencing uh, the planetary bodies? That's because of the, some of the a lot of the uh, diagrams that they had discovered. Uh, relating to the Enuma Elish, and uh, Zachariah Sitchin said, wait a minute, um, these diagrams are talking about, are diagrams of solar systems, but they're referencing the characters of the Enuma Elish. So uh, Zachariah Sitchin said, wait a minute, this is a play. This is like the story of the ancient solar system uh, written as a play, with monsters in the place of planets, with gods in the place of planets. And that's where I part company incredibly well with Zachariah Sitchin. Uh, he is, uh, to me, I just like, there's no way, because he claimed that that is the, that uh, Nibiru was the god of the Old Testament. And that is not only heresy, it's blasphemy, if you ask me. So I just, he lost me there, you know, so... I don't know if you've ever read into that, but yeah, I, our never God read is Zachariah the creator of the known universe. He is not a planet. Okay, so so any Newman Lish, uh, you have a Sag, uh, a Sag, however they you know pronounce it, who was it, a monster or a dragon, right? And he went by the name of Kerr. And um, how does that relate in in terms of the heavenly bodies? Because uh, that's that's what I'm missing. It. I mean, I I've, I've heard that the new militia is in reference uh, in terms of an, a creation epic, uh, but right. I, I don't really understand even from reading it that it has to do with uh, the creation of the heavens and the planets and everything like that. So c can you give me a little more on that? No, I cannot. I am not a when I, I I read uh, the twelfth planet and I got about a third of the way into it, where Zachariah Sitchin denounced that God was the twelfth planet, and I threw it in the fireplace and 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 screamed blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I know Michael. So Heiser you know what? I don't know. I just I lost interest in that type of planet X. I'm a I'm a more of an astro edge edge science edge science astro edge astronomer planet Xer. I'm not a Sitchin guy. Uh, yeah. I hate to let you down there. Well, I, see, for me, since uh, you know, you know, I wrote my book Ancient Myths in the Bible. I'm curious about the mythological uh, aspect of the creation myths um, because I mean it, it, it makes sense to me at, on some levels, but then when I look at it. When I try to make sense of it in terms of a real-world comparison, I, it, it doesn't make sense to me. So I'm still working through that part myself. But, yeah, I mean, you can go on and continue with the um, astronomical side of things and uh, because I, I do believe that there's something out there, and, and I want to see uh, exactly uh, what you know in terms of what, what has been uh, talked about in the astronomical circles. Well, one thing I will say about the um, the Sumerian, the Enuma Elish, and the uh, Sumerian um, stories is that to talk in terms of astronomy uh, in, in in an ancient culture like that, it would have to be written as epic, as as drama, as theatrical, as gods. That's my kind of take on that. Otherwise. 
nobody would have known what you were talking about. You know. Yeah, that is true. Kind of, I think that it was kind of uh, their version of astronomy set to a cheap Broadway musical. Yeah, I, you know, I guess for me the the problem I have in terms of deciphering uh, that picture uh, story is the whole idea of uh, you know the Apsu and uh, fresh water and you know Tiamat. Because what's interesting is that the Bible does talk about the dragon and talks about Leviathan, who's a sea serpent, you know, who exists in the water. So, uh, and there seems to be some creation, uh, let's say if you want to call it uh, myths, even in the Bible. Because when you look at it, when it talks about the dragon, it seems to have some creation uh, verses right after that. Uh, so I'm not I'm not very clear on that, and you know that's one thing I'm trying to work out. But uh, yeah, you can you can go on. Well, you know, I'd like to do some research into that and get back and do another session on that because I do know some things about that. I mean, I know that the Aapsu uh, was uh, supposedly associated with a, a giant uh, subterranean freshwater ocean, and that uh, the um, and that the uh, temple of Enki which is was the crafty god also uh really who many think was satan uh was the lord of the underwater freshwater ocean and there's uh there's references to to uh there's references to uh asher and um lucifer and his waters which is really interesting to me uh in the bible which I couldn't pull up for you, but that's fascinating. Uh, yeah, and you know the other thing that gets me is that uh, when when the Enuma Lish uh, talks about Tiamat, uh, it talks about uh, how you know things exist within his body. You know, so it, it makes you think that it is uh, some type of planet uh, because I, I think it was talking about E and his brothers who reside in Tiamat's uh, body. So that you know, I don't know if, if 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 that's the planet or if it's the sea, you know that that whole um, uh, you know picture story, you know, sort of gets a little confusing to me. Uh, but I, I do think there's something there. I, I just haven't been able to pull it out. So yeah, it would be good. You know, we can do another show uh, where maybe you know both of us can look more into this creation epic uh, deal. And I think Doug Elwell may have talked a little bit about that whole thing, too. We might want to get him in on this. Yeah, and I know Peter Goodgame did quite a bit of research. Um, there's a session he did with Pe uh, Beth Vey that's uh, at ironshow.com slash Peter Goodgame that you might, people might want to listen to. You might want to listen to it, King. That's really good. He gets deep into just what we were talking about. And uh, so that's a good reference. Okay, yeah. yeah ironshow.com slash Peter Goodgame. And, okay. Uh, so anyway, um, well, astronomically, uh, there uh, there was a group. Uh, there's a well. There's a there was a um, father and son group of edgy astronomers uh, back in the early 80s uh, to early 90s, which they had thought they had discovered. Uh, they had thought they had discovered that our sun has a binary little sister. And um, that is the astronomical uh, version of Planet X that I am into. I, you know, if you look out into the universe, into the galaxy, that we notice that most of the star systems are binary, and binary being two two stars that are in a little they're in a little tight knit group. They orbit each other with a solar system orbiting around two stars instead of one. They they stay real. There's like two stars that are almost like one. They're so close together. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. Some of some of these binary systems have two stars which are pretty good distance apart. Like say from the our sun way out past Pluto. The the binary systems are like that with solar systems with planets orbiting them. And um, so you have something on the order of two thirds. Of the solar systems in our in our galaxy are binary systems, so it would only make sense that it we could we would consider it a great possibility that we live 
in a binary star system and the sun's little sister is one is the is is the other partner that we have not discovered yet and that little sister would be a brown dwarf obviously since nobody's ever seen it it would be very massive it would be um it would be uh something on the order of 12 times the mass of jupiter uh <laughs> I don't know what happens there. Hang on a second. Oh, that is no good. There we go. Sorry about that. Okay. I got so many things wired into this studio. Who knows what's going to pop in on us? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so anyway, um, uh, it would be like, it would be burnt out. It'd be dark. It'd be mostly iron. It'd be way the heck out there. Something on the order. This father and son team thought it was something on the order of 190 astronomical units, which is way out there, way out into the Kuiper Belt, and that it would be on an elliptical orbit. They were guessing at something on the order of a 24,000-year orbit in which it would swing in from... Uh, we would never see it. Even if we could see it, we would have to be on the South Pole to see it coming in because it would... Because it... Uh, while while we go in one elliptical plane around the... the um, let's say from side to side... Around the sun, and this the 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 plane of this binary little sister of our star would be going up and down around uh, above our north pole and below our south pole uh, sky. So you'd only really see it from the south pole, which is interesting because they have America has um, just built in the last few years a giant infrared observatory on the south pole, and it is aimed at where a lot of people speculate that our son's little sister is should be coming in from. And um, I would just like to, um, since we don't have that much time, I would just like to um, bring this back to the Bible because, you know, me and you are both Jesus freaks. And if we can't find it in the Bible, we're not even going to consider it, right? Exactly. You got it. So, um, I... I always remember. I always. I was always reminded of when I thought about Planet X as the, as there's references in Isaiah, um, the Earth reeling like a drunkard, and uh, and so on. Uh, let me read this, starting in Isaiah yeah, twenty-four. Yeah, exactly. And uh, let me read this really quick, uh, starting in Isaiah twenty-four eighteen to twenty-four twenty-three. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into a pit. And he that cometh out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in in the snare. For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean, dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord, and that's the day of, that's the, day of the Lord, so many people speculate or believe. Whenever you yep. hear, uh, whenever you read in the Old Testament or the New Testament, when it says on that day, you can be pretty sure that they're referencing the day of the Lord. Am I right? And I, and I, I believe the day of the Lord is a day of wrath, which is the day uh, that we're not appointed to wrath. Uh, so anyway, that's just my take on it. Well, go ahead, John. <laughs> no, I I agree with you. Um, we're not, we as believers are not appointed to that day of destruction. Yeah. That's, that's our contention, and from Ephesians, right? Uh, yeah, and Thess- Thessalonians. Thessalonians, I'm sorry. It's Where? all over the Bible, Old Testament too. Um, so, but yeah, go ahead. Where Paul said we are not appointed to wrath, but yeah, um, and it shall come come to pass on that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth from upon the earth, and they shall be gathered together. Prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in prison. After many days they shall be visited. The moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts 
when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. And to me, that speaks of something that makes the earth go into the orange peel effect where we have not a magnetic polar shift, but something acts on us from an outside force, acts on the earth, and the crust of the earth breaks loose like a peel of an orange would break loose from the inner orange, and the crust moves and shifts and slips and slides. And the reason... The reason that would be such a big deal, say, well, you know, why would that be such a big deal? You know, if the crust of the earth shifted and, uh, you know, and uh, Texas was now up there near the North Pole, so what? It'll just get cold. You'll just, King Wells will just, you know, will just uh, wear his winter coat, right? Yep. So, but here's the problem. Now, if you look at the earth as it orbits the centrifugal force of of not the orbit, but as it spins, the centrifugal force at the Earth equator causes the Earth equator to bulge 10 to 15 miles higher than the rest of the planet. So you have the Earth spinning, and that spinning force makes the outside of the makes the outside of the Earth on the equator bulge out 10 to 15 miles up. Now, when you take the when a, an outside force acts on the Earth and shifts the crust of the Earth so that Texas is now up on the North Pole, then you have a new equator forming where there was, let's say, the bottom of the ocean. Now it's going to, wherever it landed on the equator after the shift, the, let's say it's at the bottom of the ocean. Now it's at the equator. Now you're going to have that bulging out 10 to 15 miles. You're going to have uh, mountains. Oh coming out of the bottom of the sea and rising up. And you're going to have mountains where they were settling back down in 10 to 15 miles and becoming ocean floor. So, Johnny, you know, are we talking all in more one, so about a, a magnetic pole shift or a physical flipping of the earth? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about a physical flipping of the earth, but not yes. flipping the whole earth because that really can't happen the way yes. that, um, well, it I, can't, I shouldn't say it can't happen. I mean, but most astronomers will tell you that just because of the forces in play, the Earth can't really actually flip and get a different rotation, like flip and roll on its side, and so it's spin on so it's spinning on its side. Actually, it'll still spin like it has a pin going through it from north to south, but the crust of the Earth, which is like an orange peel, will separate from the inner orange and slip and slide into a new place. Does that make sense? I guess. <laughs> it's like if you had the orange spinning on a pin from the bottom of the orange to the top where the stem comes out, and then somehow you were able to loosen the peel of the orange from the inner orange so that it would slip where the inside of the orange stayed, but the outside peel was able to slide around, and you slipped it over on its side, it would still be spinning the same way, but you would have, you'd, you'd have like Texas up on the North Pole, and the North Pole would be down near Texas. So what would happen is, is that that bulge on the equator would bulge in a new place. And that would cause all the effects of Isaiah 24. That would cause every mountain to move from its place, right? That would cause uh, all the low places to be made high, as we see in the Bible, and the high places to be made low. See? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Is, uh, huh? I say that makes sense. Yeah. That's where I become a planet Xer right there, based yeah. on Isaiah and other texts in the Old Testament. Because um, when you have a polar shift, polar shift event, a crustal slippage, you're going to have the high as the equator bulges in a new place. All the low places are going to be made high. The high places will be made low. Every island and mountain shall move from its place. <clears throat> that describes perfectly a polar shift, uh, crustal slippage event. Now, so I let me ask you a question, right, Johnny. Yeah. Um, in terms of what's happening now, we see the magnetic poles moving. Uh, I'm of the opinion that whatever outside force is acting upon the Earth, 
just like a magnet is pushing the poles away, just like if you would push a magnet close to another magnet and the magnet would start to move. Uh, do you think uh, this is the forerunner of what's going to happen, you know, a few years from now when uh, Planet X gets closer and, and there really is a a true slippage? Um, I, yeah, I, but in an indirect way, okay, because I think that, what I think is that we have something coming in, and it, it what it's doing is it's messing with the sun's magnetosphere. The sun's magnetosphere is acting on our magnetosphere and messing it up, causing the our magnetic, our magnetic poles to, to move around, and so, yeah, indirectly, yeah. That's yeah, that makes sense. I yeah. mean, yeah, because uh, pretty much the sun is what really affects our gravity and everything. So if it's affecting the sun, it would end up affecting the Earth. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, the, the, and the sun's magnetosphere, or ma its magnetic, you know, poles and magnetic atmosphere, they call it the magnetosphere, its field, that really acts on us. And yeah. that's... And, and we yeah. can see that every day because of, uh, I believe the guy named was... Um, What's his name? Paul Corbin, who's a weather um, a forecaster, and he talks about how the planets affect uh, our weather. And he's been correcting uh, uh, forecasting uh, weather in Europe and the rest of the world. Uh, he'd been correct 80% of the, the time. So he was talking about how the sun and the moon affect our weather. And so now we see these these global earth changes, and you know the the news media really isn't paying much attention to this. But I would say this goes to show that Planet X is more than likely a valid uh, object existing in, in, in our uh, solar system because we can see that something all of a sudden is affecting uh, the sun because we see that the, the solar, act, solar flares are uh, acting crazy and it's, an, it's affecting the Earth. So uh, there is some outside force. Now, what, what makes sense to me is that the Bible talks about these last days and that these signs are as birth pains, right? Um, you know, starting off slow, increasing with intensity until birth is given to a child. So that, to me, that would also fit with the idea of a body approaching the earth slowly, okay? Because the closer it gets, the more intense the effects of this object, wouldn't you say? Yeah, not only that, but... Um, Lynn Marzulli pointed out something on a on a podcast a while ago that just blew my mind. He was saying that you know Jesus could have said he could have explained the um, these uh, birth pangs as a lot of different things, but he explained them very you know accurately as birth pangs, and that's because as a woman goes into labor. These uh, these birth pangs they start um, they go in an exponential curve right I mean you'll get one uh, they'll be an hour apart and then they'll start being forty five minutes apart and then half an hour apart and then you know fifteen minutes ten minutes five minutes two minutes right yeah so right so so that really was I think there's a reason Jesus explained it as birth pangs because. Lynn Marzulli said that that is how these earthquakes are happening now. They keep doubling and going exponential. So you'll have, like from 100 years ago till, uh, till, till now, you'll have so many earthquakes. And then, in the, and then in the next 50 years, that number doubles, and it keeps on doubling and doubling and doubling. Not increasing, but doubling exponentially, like a birth pain. Well, well, yeah, yeah, doubling, in increasing with intensity. And that's my point that I'm trying to make with Planet X, if it exists, that as it approaches, the closer it gets, the more the forces of that entity affects the sun, affects our Earth. So the closer it gets, there's going to be more increase, increase in terms of solar activity, solar flares, magnetic uh, forces from the sun affecting the Earth. It's going to affect the moon, and so therefore it affects the Earth. And so the closer it gets, the worse it gets on Earth. Right, and it'll be exponential. Not only will the effects of an outer body coming in like that uh, double in intensity, it will also uh, double in time. The, the time between the pangs will get shorter and shorter and shorter. Correct. So, see, that's, Correct. yeah, see, that's, yeah. That's another reason why. I, and also, 
And the reason I'm not a Sitchin fan or a, or a Nibiru fan or a Planet, actual Planet X fan, is because that e, it would be awfully hard for a planet, no matter how big it is, to really have a huge effect, magnetic effect on the sun. But if the sun has a binary little sister, uh, a brown dwarf, that thing would be solid iron nickel. It would be a magnetic monster because that's what you would have. Them. That's what brown dwarfs are. And as that thing got closer and closer, the gravity waves and the magnetic effects would really have an effect on the sun and really have an effect on us. That's why I don't think it's a planet. I think it's it's a binary star. It's It's our sun's little baby brown dwarf sister. Uh, yeah. Never got yeah. big enough to ignite, you know. Uh, it's if you could see it, it just you could just barely see a brown reddish glow coming off of it. You know, it's black, just black as coal. You know, iron and nickel. You know that's interesting. Uh, did you see the movie The Fifth Element? The Fifth Element? You mean with uh, you mean with uh, uh, what's his name, Mr. Big Axe, Bruce Willis? Yeah, Bruce Willis. That was a great movie. Yeah, I, I loved it. And Chris Tucker. <laughs> but anyway, in that movie, uh, they had this big dark planet, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, dark star or whatever, coming uh, towards the Earth, and it was going to attack the Earth. But it was a, a, uh, uh, a it was a, a an intelligent being, an intelligent entity right approaching Earth, and it was in communication with this uh, super-rich guy on the planet. So anyway, uh, the people of Earth went to make war, you know, uh, with that thing to try to stop it, but it kept approaching. So, the, you know, they had this woman, um, I forgot her name. She's the one that, a uh, very beautiful woman. I, I can't remember her name, but it's, she's she's a Russian, I think. Uh, but, you know, she was basically a messiah-type figure um, that, you know they had to bring to this uh pyramid and it would have you know it ended up destroying the um the, the this planetary being but you know i find that interesting and, and you know give me your opinion if you have any thoughts on it where the bible you know looks at the angels and refers to the angels as stars right for some reason they're beings but they're tied to a star cuz they always reference that stars what's your thought on that with this whole idea of, of of this planet approaching because you know the people in uh let's say according to mayan prophecies if if, if you want to look at the whole 2012 uh scenario uh talks about quesocado uh returning right uh so you you have this, these little similar stories going on whether it's in reference to a god what i call with a lowercase g returning uh with a planetary uh system you know even like uh, in, in pagan mythologies, uh, they will look at Mars as, as being a god, you know. Um, so uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, King, you know, don't bother. Don't bother bringing me a sandwich because your boy Johnny's already out to lunch. <laughs> I, Because uh, <laughs> I have this theory, this whacked out theory, that that when you know that when the when the Bible refers to stars as angels, I really think that that is those are their bodies, and that's the 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 angels and the gods with the small case G, they have bodies and there's and those bodies are stars and and that's where their body is. But of course they can go anywhere they want because they're. Their heavenly host, so their spirit, their spirits are what uh, stands before God in the heavenly council and interacts with us. I don't have any exogenics or any background for that. That's just something I kind of have a feeling about. I'm gonna tell you, uh, I'm with you there. I mean, I don't know, but if you look at the um, in Revelation, you even have an angel who goes into the sun, right? He he causes the sun to. To burn everyone, to you know, so uh, there's something going on that I think there's uh, some truth that we're missing here in terms of how you know planets and whatever is in our solar system are related to angels. Even though I do believe angels take on physical form, um, but uh, it, it, it's 
to me, even when you look at the uh, ancient mythology of the pagan nations, they even talk talk about the same thing, and that's why the Bible refers us, you know, tells us not to worship the host of heaven, you know, not just the angels themselves, you know, coming in as physical form, but it seems to be tied to the to the planets themselves because, you know, they used to worship Mars and Venus and all of these things. So uh, there's something going on. I think that that there's some truth there in what you're saying. Yeah, I there's no way to back it up, but I mean, I just kind of just kind of deduction. I I think that the angels may have actual physical bodies and those are stars and there's uh there's there's evidence there's evidence there just because of the way that stars behave at times it seems like they have personalities that they're entities, you know. Um the uh the Bible speaks of, you know, I'm not any kind of pagan or or new ager but uh, i think the earth has its own spirit uh its own it's uh, its own uh uh cognizance its own conscience its own um sentience uh the, so the bible says that the earth that the is earth, a living a living being then right not necessarily a god but a living being Because uh, even the bible talks about that the earth moans and groans and waits to the manifestation of the sons of god Okay, you know, so, I mean, we can take that as, uh, you know, however you want. If you take it literally, then it's saying that the earth has some kind of conscience. And, and you know, this is where the New Age is getting to Gaia worship and all this stuff, so don't think we're going there at all, not at all. Uh, but everything that God's created has life, it appears, right, of uh, some form of life. Uh, we, we know that the earth um, has to be a living thing, Maybe not a living being with a consciousness, but it's a living thing because, you know, uh, it's a living ecosystem. Okay, so don't think we're talking about any New Age stuff because we're not. And if you read your interlinear Bible, you'll see that it's a, it's a girl. Well, that's the way it seems to uh, look at it uh, in context. but. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Everything but you I know think this may be too much for people. <laughs> I mean, and, and really, well, really, when you start to look at the mythological comparisons in the scriptures, this this is where you you know you start seeing some some similar stories. Like I said, uh, I mentioned in my book of of, of pagan mythology in the Bible. Uh, you know, it, you know, it's the same but opposite type of deal. Now, what I do believe is that in, in Christianity. A lot, of, a lot of what we've been taught has been a religious system, you know, uh, a Romanized uh, type system, not a ancient Ju- Judaic uh, biblical worldview. You know, uh, the Judaic, the ancient Judaic biblical worldview was tied to what the other cultures were, and it's just that the Jews worshipped the true God, the other ones worshipped false God, and you had this battle between the true God and the false God, and. God deciding to take a group of people for himself uh, to bring salvation to the rest of the world. But in terms of some of the ideas, I mean, they're similar if you read the Bible, and that's why you got people like Zegeist uh, trying to say that the Bible is just another story of of false myths like uh, pagan religions. But I think what we have here is a story that we don't fully understand being in the physical world uh, and having spiritual things you know, trying to trying to be explained to people of a fleshly, physical nature. But anyway, Johnny, uh, we have nine minutes, so if you can, uh, you know, try to sum up what you were talking about, about uh, Planet X and what the Bible says and everything else, uh, you know, uh, that would be great. Well, you know, I, right off the bat, I'd like to amplify what you said just because, um, you know, you're a big hero of mine. I, I've been listening to you for years, you know, out in the dark, and uh, you've always said a lot of things that have changed my life, and that's why I'm so excited to be here with you tonight. Uh, but uh, you said one thing when we did Iron Show, Iron Show 14, if anybody wants to listen to that, ironshow.com, number 14, and you told me that you said, you said, uh, that um, Jesus tried to tell us about spiritual things, even though we're living in the physical world. And he said, you know, how can I explain, how can I tell you about spiritual things if I tell you about earthly things and you don't even understand that? And you said that's why Jesus talked about 
sowing and seeds, and he talked in parables to try to get us to understand that the the spiritual interface over our physical world. I mean, it opened my eyes hugely, you know. And I think that's a lot of what the Bible is is saying is trying to explain the spiritual world that we can't see. Yeah, yeah we can exactly. sense it maybe. Exactly. But I <clears throat> no, go ahead. No, I was saying exactly. I'm agreeing with you, Johnny. Uh, 100%. Yeah, that was a huge... When you said that to me, it really sent me off into another path. You know, the... You know, prophecy is so exciting, and, and um, and you know, the science that's in the Bible is so exciting, but what's even more exciting than that is the spiritual truth and the explanation of the spiritual world that we can't see is, is hidden in there. And, and you, know, you got me on that path. Yeah, and it's I think fascinating. Get, yeah, when you get to the point where you realize you really don't know anything, then, you, you know, and you say, well, I'm going to believe the Bible for what it says. You just be careful in terms of how you exegete the Scriptures. But, you know, when you realize, hey, you know, I don't know anything. Let God speak to me. Then you realize, hey, anything is possible, anything. And And, and so then when you start to realize that, you know, we're trying to, like the Lord Jesus said, you know, we, you know, we're trying to understand spiritual things from a physical uh, point of view. Uh, you know, then we we're dealing with a whole different reality, a whole different thought process. And so, uh, yes, I mean this this whole thing. I, Johnny, I believe that what we're going to see in these end times is going to have people's mouths drop. I think I think they're going to be like, I didn't think it was possible. I didn't believe this. I mean, this is crazy. That's how wild I think it's going to get. And that's what happens when you interface the spiritual, when you see, when the spiritual world manifests. Yeah. That's what's going to make our mouths drop because we've never seen it before. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, and we think we know reality, you know? We don't even, you know, you, you get down to you get down to what we're made of, you know, you get down to atoms, all the way to atoms. Then you go further down into what the atoms are made of, and they're made out of quarks. And for all their wonderful science, all they can describe quarks as are emotions and flavors and spirits yeah. that don't display any kind of uh, any kind of material char- characteristics. So there we have we we live in the material plane that is built out of spiritual building blocks, and we think we know what's real. Come on, I mean, exactly, but. Well, Johnny, we down to our last five minutes, so can you yeah. tell our listeners how to get in contact with you, your websites, and uh, I want to invite you to do this again. Right on. Yeah, okay, well, I just want to say as far as Planet X goes, I, I just only only think about it in terms of what the Bible says and, and only use really in terms of the Day of the Lord and all those events which really point to me of gravity. And I don't think that God needs any kind of Planet X to do any of that. All he's got to do is wave his hand and the earth starts reeling like a drunkard and the powers of the heavens are shaken. It just seems to me that God uses things to do his will. He even uses, like in... in in Israel, he used their enemies to to do his will. God seems to like to use. He seems to like to work that way. So a planet X is not beyond uh, something God would use to do His wrath. But anyway, yeah, I'm Johnny from the Iron Show, IronShow.com, and also uh, Armed with Iron, uh, ArmedWithIron.com, and Armed with Iron is on this network. Uh, blogtalkradio.com slash common sense radio. That's C E N T S like the pennies. Blogtalkradio.com slash common sense radio every Tuesday night at 7 West Coast. And uh, I'm hoping to see you in the chat room, King, because you're my all time hero, buddy. What's up? What's up? <laughs> it was great having you, Johnny. We got to do it again, okay? Oh, yeah. I'm in anytime. All right. Thanks. Bye.